This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's time to go inside the front office of the Athletics with the general manager of the A's, David Forst. Here now is the David Forst Show with Chris Townsend. Well, it has been a while since we've been able to talk to the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. David Forst is with us. And David, uh, first time in 2020. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to stay busy doing other things rather than just talking to you. So. Well, we've missed you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate being missed. So, you know, I think about it. You, you just acquired a second baseman. And uh, talk about that fight that we're going to see at second base here in spring training. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, look, Tony Kemp is, uh, you know, has had a lot of success. He played a really good second base last year. We've seen him across the diamond with the Astros, and he was just a, an absolute pest for us. Um, you know, I still can't believe that walk-off homer he hit a couple of years back actually went out. But, um, no, he's a, a really good guy, good versatility. So, you know, with him and, and Franklin Barreto uh, and our Rule 5 pick, Vimeo Machine, um, you know, there's going to be some options at second. But, but Tony's versatility uh, and the left-handed bat are, are certainly things we've been trying to add all offseason. And tell us what you think about Jorge Mateo, because we saw the great stats last year. Down in Vegas, but I mean, who didn't have great stats down in Vegas <laughs> last year? I mean, you and I might be able to hit a few home runs out down in Vegas. Uh, tell us what kind of player you envision him being, because at some point he's getting close to where he needs a shot. Yeah, no, he's at that point. And, and yeah, my fault in leaving him out of that conversation just because, you know, historically we think about Jorge more as a shortstop. He's played there more. Obviously, uh, our shortstop position is not up for grabs this spring. Um, but no, Jorge is going to be part of that mix in spring training too. And he's out of options just like Barreto is. Um, so we're going to have to make some decisions. Um, and, and who knows what happens during the spring. Look, he's He's played some outfield in his career. He hasn't since since he came over here in the trade, but uh, as a prospect with the Yankees, he played the outfield. Um, so who's to say, you know, as March goes along, where, where we figure out how to fit in Jorge? Because like you said, he did have a great year uh, in Vegas last year, as did a number of guys down there. So when I think about this 26th man on the roster, has it been ultimately decided how you can use it? Well, what you can't do is add a 14th pitcher. I mean, that, that's the one thing we know. And, and uh, you're capped at 13 pitchers. And it's, it's been a number of years here where we've pretty consistently gone with an eight-man uh, eight bullpen. So you've got your five starters. You've got eight guys in the pen. So pretty much that 13th or, or 13th position player, 26th roster guy, it's going to be uh, some sort of utility guy. And that's why, you know, the Pinders of the world, the Kemps, maybe Mateo, Barreto, Machine, maybe they figure in somehow. But it's going to be a guy who needs to bounce around for you. Would, it, would, would the ultimate guy be someone who also 
could be a serviceable catcher. <laughs> yeah, if you ask Bob, he'd love to have a, <laughs> he'd love to have a third or Ray option. Ray <laughs> Sure, Foss would say so too. Um, yeah, I mean, there's how many guys are are there now that you know are position players who can still go behind the dish? I mean, that's a that's a pretty rare thing. Um, but yeah, when you know when you're locked into two catchers, it's always hard to pinch hit. I know Bob has always felt like, you know, you go to your second catcher even in the seventh, eighth inning, and you're you're just kind of holding on, hoping nothing happens. And we've got, you know, we've got Canna and Pinder guys who probably are your emergency catchers, but you never want to get to the emergency situation. So last night down at the hot stove dinner, it's a, an event that you've been to. I emceed it last night, and one of the guys we honored for Player of the Year w- w- was Mark Canna. And, you know, when you're talking to a crowd of like 600 people, you know, some people are big-time A's fans, some are not. And just talking about Mark, it's so easy. It's like, you know, I gave him the nickname Duct Tape. You know, if there's a problem <laughs> that Bob had, you know, he fixes it. And I was saying, like, there's no way this team wins 97 games without him. I mean, what he did for this team, playing whatever it was, 56 games or whatever in center field. Because you remember back when you guys took him as a Rule 5 guy, we were like, well, what's he going to play? Is he a DH? Can he play first? Maybe a little third? I never heard center field. Just talk about how important Mark Canna is to this franchise. Yeah, I was uh, I was sorry to miss the event last night down in Santa Clara because I know Mark was honored. Um, but we, look, we we've actually spent a lot of time talking about Mark. A because we we made the Rule Five pick, and and you know there's there's no better example of a guy that it's worked out for. But also we spent all of last week working on arbitration, and uh, you, all you have to do is look at Mark's salary. He went from making just over two million last year to just under five this coming year, and and that arbitration process rewards guys performance and and mark's performance last year was outstanding uh and when when ramon went down in early august and you know we looked at where the production was going to come from and and where we were going to find ab's and outs in center field mark really stepped up and and yeah you've talked about him a lot but his you know his story goes right along with the story of the 2019 a's yeah, you know, it's great that you inked up everybody. You don't have any arbitration cases. And I remember early in my career, I had to get an agent because I was soft and I couldn't handle the criticism during negotiations, right? But now I don't. I, I got rid of my agent because now I, I've been doing this for so long. I, you don't want to go to arbitration because you're going to have to say negative things about the player because you've got to defend where you guys are versus where the player is. Yeah, how much do you just want to avoid that altogether? You do, you do, and we, you know, look, it's it is part of the business. Uh, arbitration comes around every year. Everybody sort of uh, looks at that week on the calendar and, and wishes it would just it, we, you could just skip it. But um, we've been, you know, we we went with Blake a year ago. We went with KD the year before that. The guys are professionals. They understand part of the business. Both those guys beat us in hearings, so I think it probably it helped. Uh, it helped sort of keep the friendship going between but um you really do want to avoid it we had seven cases all of last week we settled them all friday morning um you know the biggest one and the most public one obviously being our shortstop and uh, i didn't want to end up in a hearing room with marcus Simeon and, and look at his season and look yeah, at, you're losing that one lo- look at the, <laughs> the top three mvp voting and have to try and say something bad about that guy because because uh, there isn't a whole lot to say bad about him right now I remember like when Tim Lincecum did it and they brought his Cy Young Awards with him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
mean, that's a crazy thing. You see MVPs and Cy Youngs actually go into hearing room, and, and I understand the fans don't get it. Why would you possibly go against a guy like that? It's just, again, the, the process sort of plays itself out, and, and you have to fit everyone's salary into that structure before they're free agents. But, again, the, the best outcome for us was, was to avoid with all seven guys. So when you go through that process – so it's going to be the player's agent, and then who for the A's is going to be going up against the player's agent? Well, we, we have an outside practitioner that, that prepares the case and presents it. I mean, I, I'm sitting there. I'm on our side of the table. Um, so, you know, it's not always comfortable, like I said, sitting across from Blake or, or Chris when you do it. But, but we do have an outside practitioner who's done this for years and years who presents the case for you. So speaking of the bullpen... How do you, you know, the the bullpen was supposed to be a major strength. Well, still, the bullpen was good, but not as good as I think you thought it was going to be. What are your expectations this year of the bullpen? I think we come in with a, an incredibly strong unit again. I mean, you look at you look at you start with Liam at the back and what he was able to do stepping in for Blake, um, and then to have guys like Soria, Petit, and Diekman right in front of him. Um, you know, with their experience, their ability to step in and pitch in the eighth or ninth inning uh, on the days Liam isn't available. Um, and with that said, I, you know, you haven't even mentioned Lou Trevino, who uh, a year ago we were saying was a candidate to close. Obviously, Lou, between performance and, and health, didn't have the 2019 he was hoping to have, but I expect Lou will bounce back. Uh, you know, J.B. Wendelkin, T.J. McFarland, who we claimed off waivers. This is, again, an experienced uh, and really strong group. You know, another guy we don't mention enough, and all you got to do is go to baseball reference. You look at how many times he took the ball. Yes, Merrill Petit. Yeah. I mean, you don't win 97 games without him either. I mean, you can't say enough about a rubber arm and an arm that, you know, Bob's always going to look down there and go, he wants the ball, he can take it. Yeah, no, and, and picking up the option on UC's contract this year was a no-brainer for us. Um, but you're right, he can do just about anything. He'll come in in the fourth and get you out of a jam and give you two innings. He'll come in in the eighth with runners on base. You know, it's... There, there are so few guys out there that you can trust in any situation, and Bob leans on Petit heavily. Um, heck, we even talked about him starting at one point last year because he's done that in the past, and when we had some injuries and you know needed a spot start, his name always comes up, so uh, it's key to have guys like that. Yeah, I uh, could easily be a candidate as, as the opener. Sure. Uh, you were going to open that bag of worms right now? Go. I'm just bringing it up. <laughs> I'm just saying he could – actually, he could be a guy who gets you three or four because he was a starter back in the day. Um, when, when you think about guys out of options, and I know we've talked about this guy in the past, and I, I think spring training is going to be very interesting for him, is a guy who has a very good arm, healthy once again, won you games last year, was not selfish, went to the bullpen for Bob Melvin – Chris Bassett, this is an interesting offseason for him. For sure, for sure. And Chris was one of those guys last week that we uh, we got his case settled. He got a nice raise, much deserved after his season last year. But, you know, you think about it, he got he got optioned out when we went to Japan. Um, you know, he was he was on that team, started the season back to AAA, and, and we ended up needing him like five days later just because that's how it works. But he wasn't necessarily in that rotation to start the year and ended up making some huge starts. Uh, but like you said, was willing to go to the pen. Um, is he on the outside of the rotation looking in right now? It's you know, hard to say. Nothing 
nothing ever goes the way you exactly plan it. But but to have his versatility, to, to be in the rotation, be the long guy. Um, you know, Daniel Mangdon's in that spot too. Daniel's out of options and comes into camp as a starter. We'll keep him stretched out, but may end up in the bullpen giving us some length. I remember you and I talked about Chris in Japan. It was like like that weird fourth year option or something right. like that yeah he had the fourth option last year which when when you miss a, a full season with injury the way chris did early in his career and you've come up you know there's a combination of things he came up before he'd used his you know all of his minor league time so he did have the fourth option which was you know unfortunate for him last year it worked out great to give us the flexibility but he certainly earned his spot here isn't it amazing we're sitting here talking about eh, maybe second base or I mean, last year you had to put a whole starting five together. It's like this offseason versus last offseason. It's crazy different. It is. It is. It's been a lot quieter, for, you know, in a good way because I think, you know, we return the majority of a team that won 97 games, and, and that absolutely should compete uh, for the division this year. So we had a rotation in place, which wasn't the case the previous two years. We've tried to make little tweaks here and there. Bringing Diekman back was a big priority for us. Um, and now, like you said, figure out second base, figure out the catching situation behind Murph. But um, but Bob's got most of the same team back, and I know he's excited about that. When do we know about the reliever having to face at least three guys? When are we going to know for sure? <laughs> That's a good question. We've been operating all offseason as if it's going to happen, and, and it, it is. So we, we can sort of – we haven't seen the written language yet. We can count on it now. So – um, yeah, you're going to have to face three hitters or you're going to have to end an inning. Um, you know, the one thing we've learned since is if you face one hitter, finish an inning, go back out, you got to face two more hitters. So that's the decision Bob's going to have to wrestle with when, when managing the bullpen. So there'll be some new dynamics. That's why a guy like Deepman's so, so important, right? Without a doubt, facing right-handers. And, and McFarland has faced right-handers too and is probably the best ground ball guy on our whole, uh, our whole staff out there. So he's going to play a big role. All right, spring training right around the corner. Good luck. We'll talk to you uh, when we're down there. We'll probably talk to you in February, and then we'll see you down there in March. Yep, I'm looking forward to getting down there just a couple more weeks. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.